Warning, this podcast is rated F'd up for profanity, sexual violence, and potentially disturbing material. If I were you, I'd turn back now. Welcome back again to WTF Radio, your home of all the WTF Radio needs. Filmed in front of a live studio audience. We are the Macabre Academy. Macabre Academy is who we are. We have again... Our lovely resident nerdy witch. Say hi, Stephanie. Hello. We have our beautiful cat, River, who will not be saying anything because she's a cat. And you have me, good old Uncle Kevin. Okay, so we're in the Chris Watts case. Yes. And before we get too far in, yeah. let us get our current events out of the current events with Kevin out of the way. We're going to do this one early. Okay. There's two things this week, because it's still the 20th when we recorded the first episode of the, of the podcast. So the events that were current then are still current now. Um, one of which being the fact that the outdoor hockey game that was scheduled to start at 3 o'clock Eastern this afternoon is now starting in three minutes because it was too sunny to play the game. I'm so sorry, Kev. The ice was melting. I know, but now I've picked another bad time to record. No, it's fine. No, it's fine. I don't. I'm just saying it's funny that the outdoor game was canceled due to sun. Oh my! Apparently, the sun it was too it was too overcast and the ice was turning to slush, so they canceled the game or they postponed the game from three o'clock to midnight. What they do in the meantime, like take a nap? I would have taken a nap. (laughs) They probably did, but um, let me see here. Oh, the other thing is. If you haven't seen the absolutely pant-shitting videos of the plane flying with the engine on fire. What? You haven't seen these videos? Tweet them, damn it, Kev. I don't have I don't have the whole story. I don't know what exactly happened. But a, a plane was apparently flying from Denver, which is topical, to Honolulu. And something happened to the engine. And, like, the casing fell off or something. And they're flying through the air with this fucking engine just on fire. Lovely. I was watching the video on my couch and poo was coming out. You said poof? Poo. I hate that word. I I I hate that word with an utter passion. That is the worst. Like, I cannot explain how much I don't like that word. Even if it's variant where there's peas on both ends, I still fucking hate that word. All right. I will find the videos and tweet them out later. But now we are moving into one of our lovely content warnings. And this is just going to cover every possible thing you can come up with. So it's bad. It is bad. If you don't want to, if you don't want to listen to this one, go back and listen to the part one of our Nirvana episode. Well, okay, the content warning is here because this is why I got drunk in part one because this this is actually hard for me. So, um, speaking of which, I I drank all three beers, so I need another drink. So I need some elevator music for like half a second. It just had like fifteen minutes. I know, but I was smoking. Ah, uh, yo. I am. I'm I'm a cunt bag if there ever was one. Sound maiden. Elevator music, please.
is gone. We might as well go back to the end of part one, which we covered last week, if you want to hear the whole thing. So, we are on August 12th. His mistress, named Nikki, as we learned in the first part, texts a friend of hers about this secret guy that she's been seeing who really loves to do the oral sex. Oral sex? I guess it could stay a bit longer. And she's also texting her friend about his kids. Wait, what are so, you? What are you doing? I'm doing. Remember, we told everybody to put a pin in last week, so I'm catching everybody up on where we were last week. Well, I love you so much for doing that. I was going to ask you to do a recap. I was trying, but she interrupted me. Oh, but I got the fine china. Yes, you did. So, Nikki expresses that she feels like she will always be in second place because he's been there, done that. And while it is apparently the best sex she's ever had, she says, and I quote, don't tell nobody because I haven't made my mind up on him yet. That same evening, which is August 12th, Chris tucks the girl, his girls, he has two of them, into bed and then scampers off for the little, for a little happy adult fun FaceTime with his mistress. They talk for over two hours, which ends around 11 the next day, which is what we're at right now, which is going to be the 13th. For those of us playing along at home, you might need a flow chart. Uh, the wife and children will disappear, which is where we are now, which is where the content warning comes in and the alcohol for Steph. You're all caught up. Let's go. Did I ever tell you how much I appreciate you? Not today. No, I appreciate the shit out of you right now. I, I love you for doing that. Okay, you missed yesterday, but you're good for today. Good. Okay. Kev's my ever-shining knight in armor. I try my best. Yes. Okay. Super cereal. What kind of cereal? Uh, Cinnamon Life is my favorite, so not this one. What do, what do I hate? What do I fucking hate? Cinnamon Toast Crunch. How do you hate Cinnamon Toast? This podcast canceled. That's it. I'm out. See you later. Bye. That's all Poppy would buy for the last five years of my life. You eat Cinnamon Toast Crunch every day of your life for five years, and then you tell me how much you love it. Variety is the spice of life, guys. Okay. August 13th. Now, the mistress's name, we're using Nikki, but Shanann's best friend is Nicole. Okay. So they were in Denver, and their flight came back to Colorado. And Nicole drives Shanann home around 2 a.m. in the morning after they got back from the flight. Okay. Later, she goes to try to check on Shanann at the house. Now, she had agreed with Shanann to drive her to a doctor's appointment that morning. And Shanann never missed doctor's appointments. And because the two were supposed to go together, she kind of was like, holy shit, something's wrong. Okay. So she calls the cops because when she gets to Shanann's house, she sees that Shanann's car is here. But uh, it's actually a Lexus, which she earned through selling those Lavelle or Thrive products or whatever. So she earned that fucking car because her sales were so good. But it's in the fucking garage and nobody's answering the door. And the worst part is, is Shanann's the only one that drives that car. It's in the garage and she doesn't see the fucking kids. 
So she starts to freak out. She calls Chris while she's talking to the cops and says, Hey, um, can you give me like some, some heads up? Like where's Shanann? He goes, don't call the cops. And she's like too late. I already did. Officers show up for the welfare check and try to knock on the door to get someone's attention. Now they're very loud. Uh, We are the cops and we are here. Okay. Unfortunately, they can't just fucking break down the door based on Nicole's word. They need the owner's consent. So Nicole calls Chris again to get the passcode for the garage entry. Now Chris says, Hey, that motherfucker's not working. I'll be, I'm coming, I'm coming right there. Like I'm on my way. But don't freak out because Shanann said she was going on a play date with a friend, but that's all he knows. And and Bestie Nicole, who we love, does not buy that shit for one fucking second. It's not right. Something's not right. So now everybody and the officer is in the house. They find the girls' security blankets are gone along with their bed sheets and the sheets from the master bedroom. Everything else is in perfect order and undisturbed. Shanann's phone is found hidden in the couch, which is a terrible hiding place. It's bad. Really, I mean, seriously. Her purse is also still on the counter with her daily medication inside. Her wedding ring is still on the nightstand by the bed. Now, our lovely friend Nicole becomes really concerned that her friend would never go anywhere without her phone and her purse. Chris has sent text messages to Shannon to please let him know if she took the kids somewhere. The neighbor had security cameras outside of the house, and they showed nothing suspicious. It would, they only showed Chris leaving for work around 5.17 a.m., which is not a real time as far as I'm concerned. I consider anything before 11 on American. Well, he's going to those oil fields. So I still consider any. I don't care. I consider anything before 11 on American. Fucking commies. You've never worked bakery hours. No. No. Mm. No. Chris leaves. And the officer remains to talk to the neighbors. The neighbors explain that Chris wasn't acting right. He also says that he never backed his truck up to the house to load his tools in and out of the truck. He also never talks to the fact that Chris was rambling and that made the neighbor very suspicious. Yeah, my notes sucked. Okay, Chris is rambling. The neighbor with the security fisher, uh, security footage is like, something, something's fucking up. That dude's quiet. He never does this with his truck. Here he's doing this weird thing with his truck. And he is running his mouth, which is not something he does. Which makes the neighbor suspicious. Mm-hmm. The other neighbor also reports a gray truck. Which is not and- his work truck. That's right. It was not his truck. Mm-hmm. She said, oh, I'm sorry. The neighbor wasn't great with makes or models of vehicles. So, guess uh, who owns a nice Toyota 4Runner? Anybody? It's a no? two parter, so I'm waiting for the second question. 
Oh, you tricky bitch. Yeah, because they both have the same answer. Big shocker. Yes. And on top of that, guess whose phone also pinged in the same neighborhood at 6 a.m.? Kevin, can you venture a guess? No, because I'm telling you to guess. It was Nikki. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. We have Chris's phone history. And that shows that he was going through his phone trying to delete text messages and photos of Nikki. It is a desperate attempt to ditch evidence. How does he not know that nothing is ever really deleted? You have to be stupid. Really? He and Nikki also have a 51-minute phone call. But, of course, we can't dis- determine what they discussed at that time. We have now moved into the 14th of August, where Shannon is still missing, and they are no closer to locating her or the kids. Neighbors haven't really seen anything strange, though. The cops bring in the canine units to search the house and get the scent of the kids and the wife. The pooch points out, I'm sorry, not the pooch, the handler. Yeah. Because if the, if, the if the pooch could point this next thing out, I'd be very impressed. Me too. The, uh, the handler points out how amazingly clean the house is. Also, I'm having an OCD uh, meeting a meeting for people with OCD over at my place here soon. And if you want to tidy up while you're here, just go ahead. Don't have me over then because I'm one of those people. My house is fucking immaculate. So I digress and plug. Chris also gives an interview to the local TV station, really just saying that he wants his family back safe. Shannon's mother had told him not to do it because it would make him look guilty. She really felt like Chris was innocent, and it was awkward as hell, and at one point, he even half smiles. There is a a YouTuber, and I wish I could have included this, but for time's sake, he breaks down Chris's body language in that news interview, and it is outstanding, because that's this guy's professional job is to read body language and he reads this awkward smile and all this shit um i think the video on youtube is called how chris watts got caught if i remember correctly now we're talking about nikki the mistress again so she begins to google shannon watts name and then enters can cops trace text messages Instead of the name. She also tried to determine if she could really delete text messages and reaches out to her good friend to see if they will delete any messages that she had sent about Chris. Mm -hmm. So number one response from the police is to bring in the husband. So Chris is interrogated. Huh? You got to. Oh, yeah. They ask him questions about his rocky marriage. And he says, like, uh, was there another woman involved? And Chris goes, nope, nope. Love my wife. Would never cheat on her. Ever. So Chris is talking to the police. And he says that 
somebody must have taken her or maybe she was having an affair. Like he's offering possible other solutions. So he finally gets the bright idea to consent to a polygraph polygraph test to clear him so they could focus on finding his family. Now, we know these are not admissible in court. However, this is probably the best case of polygraph tests doing what they're supposed to do that I've ever seen. Okay, so we'll see, we'll see about the, tel- the polygraph test tomorrow. But please go as far as to call Chris's supervisor to see if he ever mentioned anything about a mistress or if Shanann had a guy on the side. And his boss was like, oh, no, no, he's just a hard worker. He never indicated anything like that. He doesn't really talk about that shit. What I'm really concerned about is what he's going through. This sucks. On the same day, another coworker to Nikki and Chris turns in emails that the two had passed back and forth as evidence, along with the GPS footage, like track records or whatever, from Chris's work truck. So this guy brings it into the police. August 15th, Chris takes that polygraph test, which is the next day. And we're only two days after the disappearance, by the way, guys. So it turns out Chris is the world's shittiest liar. And even the technician is like looking at Chris and she goes, this could be the stupidest thing you've ever done if you've actually done something to your family. Because you are a bad liar and I will see it. And uh, he goes, no, 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 they're still missing. And we all want answers. So I'm going to do this test. You want to know how the test came out? Lay it on me. Oh, he bombs that motherfucker. He crashes it hard. All they had to do was apply a little pressure and he broke. Like thin glass from the dollar store. Now he admits that. Nikki had known that he was married and she was breathtaking and his marriage was falling apart as a result. And he had no idea that the following events were going to occur, which is very ominous. Interesting enough, the polygraph lady questioned him if Shanann had done something to the girls. And it's like, she was leading him. She was giving him an excuse or an out or something, which is like dirty pool. Okay. (laughs) Um, It was very leading. And this is when Chris requests to talk to his dad so he could explain what really the fuck happened. His dad's name is Donnie Watts. And he's sitting there and he's talking to his dad and he's got his head in his hands like he's fucking upset. And he says, I took the polygraph test and failed it. They know I had an affair. So I came clean about that. Which is stupid because Everybody at this point knows that he was having an affair. It doesn't take a fucking rocket science to figure that out. Now, when uh, he's talking about Shanann, he says, when we had that conversation in the morning, it was emotional. And I told her about the separation, everything like that. And I didn't want to protect her. I don't want to protect her. I don't know what else to say. Then he starts like fake ass, half sobbing, bias included. And uh, he says, she hurt the girls. And then I had to kill her. I have to tell them I hurt her. Please, God, forgive me. So this motherfucker then accuses Shanann of smothering the girls, which is how they died. And in a video, he claims to have found their dead blue body is very specific as he turned around to do the same thing to her. And he claims it's a blackout rage. 
Another source said that Chris Shania said, look, I don't know where the fuck they got this, but they said that Chris saw, Sh- Chris saw Shanann hurting the girls on the baby monitor. In the discovery, I read the interview with Ronnie, Chris's dad, with the police, and he described Shanann as being extremely bipolar and paranoid. And I, I kind of take huge offense to that because when somebody's having a very emotional moment, the first thing they do is fucking say bipolar. I hate that. Oh, that girl's bipolar. No, no, she's not. I actually have bipolar. This, I don't think Shanann had it. She was legit afraid for her kids with the fucking peanut allergy. Regardless, okay, a rumor mills, mill, not meal, a rumor mill starts going. And there's this copious amount of Facebook books that are like Facebook groups that are relentlessing. They slander the shit out of Shanann and her family. Like they tore their shit apart, claiming she was bossy. She was a narcissist and she drove Chris to lose his shit. There was so much victim shaming. Like it was fucking disgusting. And social media decided Chris was innocent. hundred percent. Investigators. Now, plead with Chris to tell them where the bodies are so that they can get them out of the cold. He explains that the bodies were in the back of his truck and that he drove them out to the first location he had worked at that day. Uh, was that an acronym? I'm guessing. They say uh, it as Servi. Okay, I'll take that. Yeah. Servi 319. Shanann was buried in the ground, but he had shoved his baby girls through a small hatch, uh, less than nine inches wide, in the top of a 20-foot oil tank. They found hairs from the girls that had been ripped out in the struggle to fit them into the tank. One of the bed sheets was also still at that location. So, of course, he looks this looks completely terrible for him. I mean, he could have just filed you know, for divorce like a normal human being. Apparently, this was his only solution was to have a new life, was to destroy his old one. He was taken into custody after his confession and arrested on suspicion of three counts of first-degree murder charges and Three charges of tampering with a deceased human body. He was then arrested and taken into custody. Okay. Third day after Shanann goes missing is August 16th. And this is when they interview the mistress, Nikki. Now, she goes to the police, okay? And she talks to them. And she's very worried about his wife and kids. And she goes and says, hey, I've been dating Chris Watts since the beginning of June, so let's just fess up to this affair because it's going to come out. And she claims that Chris took a while to explain that he had two girls and that he was in the process of separating from his wife before he, uh, when he first approached Nicole. It took him a while to get to it. And he never wore his wedding ring, so she didn't really think much of it. She really didn't find out Shanann's name until way later. She didn't even know Shanann was 15 weeks pregnant until she saw it on the news. Meanwhile, we all know at this point that she had over four hours logged 
on Google searches for Shannon Ann's Facebook back to February. Two seconds on Facebook, she would have known all this shit. I've said it a few times. I'm saying it again. Okay. Now, Nikki goes on to tell the police that she spent most of that time that Shanann, Shanann, I'm drunk and I want to make sure I get this right. Shanann's uh, trip to North Carolina, she spent that like almost entirely with Chris. And Nikki found that through that time that Chris lied a lot in their brief relationship. And she pondered, she tells the police, what else he could be lying about. She had growing concerns on where his family could be. On the 19th of August, our good old Nikki over here searched the internet for topics that related to Amber Fry, who is the mistress to Scott Peterson, who also murdered his wife and unborn child. She included research on her book deal, her worth, And did people hate Amber Fry? My fucking cat. During this time, a man comes forward to the media and claims that he has had a 10-month affair with Chris. His name is Trent Bolt. The pair had met on a dating app called Meet Me. In the year leading up to all of this bullshit we're talking about. Apparently, Chris wasn't sure if he was bisexual or gay. Trent knew he had a family, but it seemed the two had already been separated. In a police interview with Trent, they basically accused him of being a prostitute that was wasting their time. After he showed him some of the te- uh, some of the text messages that the two had swapped, the police started to take him more seriously. Trent then goes on public TV to give interviews. He, he claims up he claims that they would meet up in hotel rooms for their rendezvous. He also said that Chris had paid for several cosmetic procedures, including lip injections and Botox in his forehead and around his eyebrows. Apparently, he had been introduced to the Watts daughters at a shopping center uh, in February of 2018. Trent said he never suspected for a second that Watts would hurt the girls. Quote, Chris was very loving, uh, was very attentive and very loving. They seemed very comfortable with each other, with him, and he was very proud of his daughters. Trent eventually found out that he was still living with his wife, even Al, after he... Sherlock, what are you doing? Jesus Christ. Fucking cat. You're not making me want a cat right now with him running in and out of the shot and destroying shit. I don't know what he was doing. He's so weird. Does he have some catnip? Is he high? No, he's just needy, I guess. I don't know. Come here, Sherlock. Good boy. So, where were we? Trent eventually. Yes. He found out that he was still living with that Chris was still living with his wife. He even witnessed an intense argument on the phone with Shannon. Chris said that she was emotionally and physically abusive, and he did not want to file for divorce since he would cut since she would cut him off from his girls. Chris's lies caused the relationship to end in May of 2018. Days before the murders, Trent said he received a long test text message from Chris and 
this apparently it said that Chris said that he was in love with me. Trent said during the interview, he said he had never been so comfortable with someone and he felt like he could actually be himself around me. This tells me, this tells me two things. Okay. Uh, Chris, Chris definitely wasn't happy in his marriage and he looked like he was trying to find himself because he started a, uh, possibly gay relationship. And then he also shortly after started a relationship with Nikki. So I feel like he's definitely lost at this point. Um, I don't know why more of the documentaries didn't give credence to what Trent was saying because his police interviews in one of the, videos on uh one of the documentaries uh trent is being seen interviewed by police and he's like yeah you're a fucking prostitute because you took 60 dollars for a blowjob but then in another raw footage documentary i saw them saying okay we believe you trent show us what you got can you imagine fucking trent's face when he saw the news this guy i had sex with i met his family he paid for pros you know medical procedures to make me look more pretty. And then his wife and his kids are missing. He murdered them. Okay. The face. Yes. Yeah. Rough. Okay. August 21st. Mistresses. Mistresses. Nikki meets with investigators again, and she was trying to do as much damage control as she possibly could. Over the phone, she calls, you know, she's talking to police and she says, um, I was trying to help Chris patch up shit with his wife. I barely know him. Um, And then she asked the police how she can change her name because she might need to lay low for a little while. Two days later, she got fired from her geologist job. So good on her, but uh, fell off the map pretty soon after that. Finally... Okay, this is the part that's making me sick, so I'm going to try really hard to get through it. Finally, on November 6th, Chris pleads guilty to multiple accounts of first-degree murder. The second confession he tells police is a new version of the story. And then he also further elaborates in a book uh, called Letters from Christopher uh, by Sherilyn Cattle. Okay. Content warning. So apparently Chris Watts attempted to kill his little girls twice. He smothered them with a pillow while they slept in their beds. And this was right before he had sex with Shanann after she returns home from her flight in Arizona. After he fucks her, he tells her that their marriage is over. And uh, she goes, I know you were with another woman the night before right? Because that Colorado Rockies game bullshit. And they began to fight. And Shanann tells Chris, you're never going to see your kids again. So Chris retorts with, uh, I don't love you anymore, basically. And then Chris explains that he snapped and he put his hands around Shanann's throat. Chris wrote that she didn't even really fight and he just watched her eyes fill with blood. And he thinks she might have been praying when she died. 
even though it had been in his mind since he woke up that morning to murder his fucking family, he claimed to have no control over it. He just couldn't fucking let her go. Bella, she comes into the room shortly after her mother was asphyxiated and she was carrying her pink security blanket. And she asked, what's wrong with mommy? So, of course, this this shocks the shit out of him because he thought his little girls were already dead. So then he wraps his wife's body in a sheet and he carries her downstairs and he places a garbage bag over her head and her feet. Once he backs up the work truck to the family home, he, uh, he uses this to help him move the corpse. And then he puts his wife on the back, uh, in the back seat on the floor. And then he puts Bella and Cece in the back seat with their mom on the floor under their feet. And they apparently kept asking if mommy was okay. And he goes, okay, she'll be fine. So while he was driving, the two little girls were half asleep in each other's laps is what he said. And it took 45 minutes to get out to the site. And he had all that time to change his fucking mind on whether to murder his two daughters or not. Like what, what kind of monster do you have to be to do something like that? Like, I'm crying. Like, I want to throw up. But I knew this was going to happen, so we're just going to get through it. So he buried his wife face down in a shallow grave. And he said that she was face down because that's how she rolled out of the sheet when he dumped her. And then he tries to cover up her body with eight inches of soil. And then he tries to cover her body up with that soil using a rake, but he breaks it. So then he smothered Cece first by putting her baby blanket over her head. And Bella is asking what happened to Cece. And as he smothered her, she, she said, daddy, no. And he says that plays out in his mind every day. And then that was it. And this motherfucker, he says, um, all I could feel was now I was free to be with Nikki. Feeling my love for her was overcoming me, and I felt no remorse. The darkness inside me had won, and it was still in me, though I thought maybe permanently. I felt evil swallowed up by this thing inside of me. I felt like I could kill anything and be justified doing it. Chris, after disposing of the bodies, he gets on Google again, motherfucker, and he searches Four-star top-secret Aspen Hotel. Then he calls the girls' school to have them unenrolled because they were supposed to start the following week. And then Chris calls his realtor about selling the family home. Then he texts Nicole, like everything's fucking normal. And he's like, all right, I guess this is done. What should we do with Shanann's wedding ring? And Nikki says, pawn it. Because Chris pleaded guilty, just for your information, they never investigated Nikki further. In the middle of this, this is going to ruin Metallica for me for a very long time. He loves fucking Metallica. He looks up the song lyrics, Battery. Now, okay, you can look it up because I'm obviously emotional and I'm not going to read it. Um, But uh, the song seems to fit the bill after the murder. And I guess Nikki had challenged him to look it up so we could talk about it later. But those oil tanks that his baby girls were in are called batteries. 
And then after he's done this thing, he just went back to work. And when his coworkers arrived, they said his behavior was completely normal. The only exception was that his clothes were a little sloppy, like his pant legs weren't tucked in. So the death penalty was not put forward by the DA. Um, This was done on the request of Shanann's family, who did not wish for any further deaths. They were supportive of his decision to accept a plea deal. November 9th, uh, November 19th, 2018, Chris was sentenced to five life sentences, three consecutive, two concurrent, without the possibility of parole. He received an additional 48 years for the unlawful termination of Shanann's pregnancy and 36 years, uh, yes, 36 years for three charges of tampering with a deceased body. After this, he had had his $5 million bail revoked and was immediately remanded to custody. On December 5th, he arrived at the Dodge Correctional Institution, which is a maximum security prison in Wisconsin, to continue serving out his life sentence. On October 6th, 2020, People Magazine report that Watts has received an influx of letters from women since the documentary on Netflix came out. Uh, Quote, he got a lot of letters at first, a source who has spoken with him in jail. Many of them are from women who thought he was handsome and felt compassion for him. He had nothing better to do, so he wrote them back. And he started to have pen pals. A couple of them stood out, and they've kept in contact. In interviews, Chris has said how much he hopes a letter will come from Nikki, and he wants to talk to her one last time for closure. And even if she did it through a secret pen name. Um, so, yeah, there's that. I think I think this is the first time I've done a case that broke me. Because normally, last time I broke, Brandy broke me. This broke me. In the discovery, guys, this fan mail is in it. Okay. And these women, I, I think it's in the discovery because it arrived like uh, within days of his arrest. So they screened his mail more specifically and added it to his case because he wasn't convicted yet. And in my hours of scrolling through 1,960 pages, I was shocked at these women throwing themselves at Chris. And some of these women, fucking sent their own bikini photos to him. And, okay, so here's the fucked up part. Ready? Ready? Discovery's public. These letters are in there. The return dresses. Addresses are still in there. So I kind of want to write some of these women like, what the fuck were you thinking letters? Because their addresses are still in this discovery. And I think the part that really 
look, it's not, it's, it's bad enough. I had to read what he did to his girls. The second worst part, which is why I'll never read a discovery again is I have, I found the girls autopsy reports. No, no more cases with a discovery ever again. I will never read another discovery again. I, I finally found my limit. 100%. 100%. So that's it. That's all I got for you. That's all I could put together. I couldn't I couldn't take any more. Kevin, what are your thoughts? Because we already know what mine are. Yes. I, I, um, I think we're just going to jump right into the end of it and get out of here so we can help well, you because you're not in a good spot. So I need a uh, palate cleanser bad. I, I'm sorry I got drunk to do this one, but it was guys, this is why I don't do too many true crime cases back to back. Cause some of these are really rough for me. I don't know if it's because um, I'm very sensitive because I watch a lot of fucking true crime. I watch a lot of it and a lot of horror movies. Okay. But I cried at Schindler's list for like three weeks after there's something about kids and dogs, man. I can't, I can't handle it. I almost did don't fuck with cats, but I didn't want to do that to you, Kevin, because I know how much. Yeah, you no, cats. we're not. No, fuck I, I threw that so, out, out the window immediately. Are we talking? So do you know who Apollo Robbins is? No, please tell me who he is. Okay. He was a sleight of hand artist who was so proficient that he once managed to pick the pockets of two Secret Service agents assigned to former President Jimmy Carter. He managed to steal the former president's itinerary, the keys to his motorcade, and the badges of the Secret Service agents. <laughs> oh, I need to stop <laughs> That's really good. You guys think you're so badass? Wait, watch this. So there you go. Did, did they catch him or did he confess? I think he was just doing it as a joke. Like, I don't think he was doing it maliciously. I think he was just like fucking around. I mean, if I had that skull, I might find an opportunity to prove it. So. Okay. So for a proper palate cleanser, I guess we should do a non-offensive bear. Okay, my darling witches, it's time for your weekly non-offensive dare. You must be a Patreon to participate so you can earn points for your house. Each month, the house with the most points gets to vote on weekly non-offensive dares, topics of future episodes, and so much more. Each week, once you've gotten your dare, you must safely and creatively complete a post on social media so that we can see that you've done the task. You can tag us at Twitter at Macabre Academy, or you can tag us on Instagram at The Macabre Academy, and you must include a hashtag with your house name to obtain the points. The world is a fucked up place. These dares are designed to bring silliness and random acts of kindness into the world. You must safely complete your dare. If you are unsafe, your points will not be counted. You can also earn additional points for your house by being the first to submit episode corrections to us at themacabacademy at gmail.com. Also, if we use your ideas or stories in a future episode, more points may be awarded. Let's return to the podcast to see what your weekly non-offensive dare will be. It'd help if I can find the page. Would help. Not like we were there an hour ago. Nothing at all.
Okay, Kevin, for the random generated point, do you want to use page one, two, or page, three? Let's stick with page. Oh, no. Close my eyes. She really is. Yeah, I have video evidence. Oh, I need this one. Guys, oh, thank God. Kev, do you want to know what my favorite thing in the world next to whiskey and tentacle port is? Yes. Do you know what it is? No. Puns. It's what now? Puns. Puns? Puns. Love a good pun. <clears throat> yeah, we love puns so much that you're not offensive, dare this week, because I'm going to need it after what I just went through, is to tell us a punny joke. Love a good pun. Yeah, we need, a, we need something solid. Don't just Google that shit, all right? Come up with that on your own. That's one I've never heard of, and it's really fucking good. I will read it on next episode. Have you heard of Murphy's Law? Everything that can't go wrong will go wrong. Have you heard of Cole's Law? No. It's thinly sliced cabbage. <laughs> Steph is laughing even though the microphone is not picking it up. <laughs> so I pitch about my cackle and I go back and listen to these. Do you have another one? Please tell me one more. Because I really uh, I'm sure them. I can come up with another one. Oh, fuck. Now you got me on the spot. Did I ever tell you my favorite? Oh, wait, I got to tell one joke. It's not a punny joke, but it's it's a good one. Okay, ready? Hit me with it. What did one lesbian vampire say to another? I don't know. See you next month. Oh, what do you call a blind dinosaur? I don't know. Do you think he saw us? <laughs> what do you call a blind dinosaur's dog? Saurus Rex. Exactly. <laughs> you think it's Saurus do I needed it? Please send more, guys. Multiples. I will give everyone that actually makes me laugh out loud in addition to your first one, I will award more house points. You can get multiple house points for this dare, okay? Because I, I, I really need the punny jokes. There you go. Yeah, done. This is your easiest way. We need a good prize for this. Wait, what's going to be the prize? I don't know. We have a, We have two weeks to figure it out. All right. Uh, winner of February gets to pick the next episode, even if it makes me cry. You got it. Whatever you want. It's all yours. All right. Done? And done. On, I and, want it. I'm done. And on that note, bye. Bye, guys. Please bye. make better decisions. Make terrible decisions. No. Make terrible decisions. Terrible. Awful. Terrible. Terrible. This podcast was brought to you by Nerdy Witch in partnership with Sound Maiden. We want to thank all of our wonderful Patreons. For updates, please follow the Macabre Academy on Facebook. Remember to like, share, and listen exclusively on Buzzsprout. Soon, we'll be available wherever you listen to podcasts.